Welcome to the North Main Podcast, a production of North Main Street Church of God in Butler, Pennsylvania. This podcast brings you North Main's messages every week. We strive to know God intimately, grow in Christ continually, and go for Him daily. I invite you to listen in today as we explore the Bible and learn about its unchanging truths for living life God's way. Let's listen in to this week's message. Um, before we get started, I have a public announcement to make to you. Uh, we have a staff transition that is going to be happening, or actually has already happened at the beginning of the new year, but wanted to make you aware of that staff transition. Uh, let me call, where's, where's my crew? Matt and Joey. Where are you? There's Matt. He just stood right up. There he is, and Joey. Um, our youth uh, ministry is in a bit of a transition. Uh, it's not a bad transition. Nothing bad has happened. Uh, but Matt, who is our current youth leader, and you know him also as one of the preachers and teachers on stage here at North Main Street Church of God, is not leaving the church. Uh, but there is a transition between him and Joey. Joey's going to be stepping up into the youth ministry position. And uh, Matt's going to stay on and help teach and preach. Uh, but I thought I'd give them an opportunity without a microphone. Here's one over here to just let you know a little bit uh, about the transition and for Joey to tell you a little bit about himself if he hasn't done that already. All right? Uh, so many of you have walked with me uh, through the past uh, several years um, and uh, know that I've struggled with uh, health uh, issues in that time. Um, and uh, Stepping into the position here as youth pastor a year ago, um, I was actually in a place where we had had uh, a lot of my health concerns under control. Things were pretty manageable uh, to, to a degree, and uh, so we felt like that was the right time to be stepping in. And uh, starting in around August, uh, September, I started getting new um, symptoms and developing new things with my disease, things that I've never had before that um, the doctors are still trying to figure out. And uh, it's really kind of sidelined me quite a bit um, and it made it very difficult for me to continue on doing the things that I'm currently doing. Um, and so I, I came to Pastor Brandon and to the, uh, the church board and I said, hey, you know, I, um, I don't think I'm going to be able to do ministry to the capacity that I'm currently doing it. Um, I just feel like uh, my health is just on a downward turn right now, um, and I think it's probably going to get better or worse before it gets better. Um, and so this year, we know 2024, I've already started seeing some new doctors. They're still trying to figure things out. I know many of you are praying for us, uh, me and my family, and so we appreciate that. Um, we love the youth, and I've loved my time there. I'm still planning on continuing to volunteer and helping out with the youth and helping out Joey. So um, it's not my desire to leave them and to uh, leave anybody here. We're still going to be here as part of uh, our worship um, community. And so this is where our home is. So we're still here. But I uh, just felt for my own sake and for that of my family and for the youth as well, uh, I couldn't do what, what I was currently doing. So uh, prayed about it, worked with it. And luckily, God had uh, placed Joey and Kat and uh, their family into uh, this position to be able to step in. And so we are very thankful for them and for their family. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. But I'll let Joey tell you a little bit about himself. So. Yeah. Well, hello, I'm Joey Vegerano. If you don't know me and my wife, Kat, uh, we have our little Elizabeth here. Um, I just wanted to like 
he would not want this, but I just wanted to, I, I, Matt, Matt is an amazing man, and I'm, he would give all praise to the Lord, but when we don't see anything that's ever happening, and he's, he's struggling a lot, and, and you would never know it because he never complains, <laughs> and I'm saying that because I think it's important. He stepped in, and he loves those teenagers so much. And so I guess, what I'm, I guess what I wanted to say was that thank you, first off. Yeah. I think it's so awesome you guys did that. It's so good to honor people. And that, you need, you were deserved, you, you, there's so much honor that we should place on you. And that doesn't mean that we're praising you over the Lord. We thank the Lord for you. So, and I, the only thing I want to say is, I know it's been crazy. I know, uh, if maybe if you know our family, we have seven kids. And you're probably like, well, how are you going to do that? <laughs> and I'm going to ask you, I'm gonna need some help. We got a great team that loves your teenagers. And if you don't have your teenagers in youth, and you know, I get it. Like, there's a lot going on all the time. That team's not changing. Matt's gonna stay. I'm just coming in as a, another speaker, as another one that's gonna be able to love your teenagers. But I still have to love my family too. And I'm saying that to challenge you if you're interested at all, even if you're not interested, I would just say, come have a conversation. Um, let's just see what it looks like. Let's see what your role could be. Maybe it's making a meal every now and then. Maybe it's opening your house to a group of teenagers and a couple of leaders. Some of you, you're like, not a chance. But for some of you, you might be like, I, I, you have a gift that God wants to use and you don't know how to use it. And so let's just have a conversation. That's what I would ask. All right, sweet. All right, and before these gentlemen step off stage, there's a couple prayers I want to pray, and it's a prayer of commissioning for Joey and his family as they step into this new realm of ministry for their family and for the church here at North Main, but also want to pray a prayer of ongoing um, prosperity and hope for Matt, and also he's going to be around. You'll see him on this stage preaching because you don't want to see this face all the time up here. I'm just saying. So he's going to be sticking around. Stop it. He's going to, he's going to be sticking around with us. But uh, I would also like to pray a prayer as has been prayed over him many times before, prayer of healing as well. So uh, I, anybody that would like to come, our, our board of elders, our staff, anybody else that would like to come and surround these two um, and lay on hands. We are a lay on hands kind of church, not like this but like this, okay? So come up here, hot seat right in the center. Come on, hey guys, up here. Hey guys, over here. Come on over, come on over. Don't fall off the front. Yeah, let's let, uh, pa yeah, Pam, you should have been up here. Pam, Zoe, Thea, get up in the middle. All right. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask your holy presence to be on these two men and their families. 
We pray especially for a healing touch on Matt's body. And in the name of Jesus, we command his body to work the way you originally designed it to. We know you are a master and creator of heaven and earth and everything in between. And God, you are also the great physician. And so we call down your healing touch on Matt. God, work and move in his life as you already have. Continue to lead, guide, and direct him and his family. God, bless their home. Let the environment and the atmosphere of that space that they dwell be a place of comfort and peace that passes understanding. God, quiet their hearts. Give them encouragement. And again, we pray for a healing touch on Matt's body. We also pray a prayer of commissioning over Joey and his family. God, I pray that as he steps into this new endeavor, as he has felt the calling on his life to step into ministry here at North Main, that God, you would guide and direct his steps, that God, you would help him to have the wisdom necessary to lead the next generation into a place of hope, which is so desperately needed in the world right now. God, bless him. Keep him straight and encouraged by your holy word. We ask all this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it is 2024. How many of you could believe that? By your stunned silence, I'm going to guess you can't believe it, because I can't either. Um, As a kid, I was thinking, uh, growing up, how far away the 2000s were. And then uh, thinking how far the 2020s were, and here we are almost midway through the 2020s, and I'm older now, and I'm still shocked at where we are as a country, as a church, as a people. Shocked in some good ways and shocked in some unbelievable ways that are not always good. This year at North Main, our theme for this year is goodness. And each year we've tried to do one of these themes. It has always been challenged. So what is goodness? Is it, uh, what do you think when somebody says to you, um, good for you? Do you take that positively or negatively? I guess it depends on the inflection and what they're talking about, right? Oh, good for you, right? What if somebody calls you a goody two-shoes? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I guess mostly it has negative connotations. What about Uh, a do-gooder. Oh, they're just a do-gooder. Or what about somebody who says, well, that's good. You ever said that? I know I have. Somebody tells you something bad happened or your car falls apart for the 15th time this week and you're like, well, that's good. Right? Right? Philip Keller, in his book, A Gardener Looks at the Fruit of the Spirit, writes this, in the jargon of the world, 
goodness is something insipid, weak, laughable, and to be despised. We've taken the word good or goodness and we've cynicized it, if you can even use that as a word. I just made up a new word today. Those of you that are keeping a Brandon Dictionary, this is the time where you write that word down. You said there's a new word we hadn't heard before. Cynicism has so infected our character, our morale, our morals, because, let's be honest, the world is not in the greatest of shapes. Would you agree? And many of our churches across this nation or even across the globe are not in the greatest of shape. Why is that? Because there's this sense of feeling beaten down. And the question then remains on our minds, what is good? How do I determine what is good? But when, when I see everything that seems to be so imploding around me, and maybe even in my own life, where is goodness? Where does it even exist? Do you know the word goodness in the fruit of the Spirit, which is our passage for today, Galatians 5, and 23? Let me read that for you. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. The word for goodness there in the Greek is called agathosune. It's a long word. It's only mentioned four times in the New Testament. It is not mentioned anywhere in Greek literature outside of the Bible. Goodness, agathosune. And so what do we learn from that word? When it is used, it is used as a moral sense of goodness that is internal within a person. When somebody is said to be good, they aren't good just because of their actions. They are inherently good. Jesus was approached by a person wanting to know a question about what he's teaching. And when he was approached, he was asked by this person, or told by this person, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Good teacher. You know, Jesus pauses there, and instead of answering the, the, the question directly, he asks the question, why do you call me good? There is no one good but the Father. What is he getting at when he says that? The reality is he's getting at this passage of Scripture in Psalm 14, verses 1 through 3, which says, Fools say in their hearts there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on humankind to see if there are anyone who is wise or who, have, who seek after God. They have all gone astray, the psalmist, uh, the psalmist says. They are all like, alike perverse. There is no one who does good. No, not one. So then if no one is good and Jesus says in the New Testament, no one is good but the Father, then what hope do we have for any kind of goodness in society and culture throughout all generations? At least let's be honest. Is this year of goodness just a pipe dream? 
Is there any hope for goodness to exist, not only within the world, but let's just say within my own life? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And then we're going to look throughout the course of the rest of this year as we go through Scripture, Genesis the Revelation, Truly, what does this word goodness mean? How is it a fruit that should be bore in my life? And how does the Holy Spirit bear that fruit through my life each and every day? Again, Keller writes this about goodness. Goodness might appear to be the most obvious fruit of God's gracious spirit. It is, however, one of the most maligned and misunderstood of the nine fruit of the spirit in Galatians chapter 5. In the original Anglo-Saxon language, the very word good carried the same connotation as God. In fact, God was considered good, and good in turn was regarded as belonging essentially to God. It was just as valid to say God is good as it was to say God is love. Naturally from this, he goes on to write, it follows that love is good in the same way that good is a facet of love being expressed. Goodness of this sort comes from God. He puts tremendous emphasis upon it. He extols goodness to us. When he was here among us, it was reported in disarming simplicity in Acts chapter 10 verse 38 that he went about doing good. So what's the key point this morning? It's this. The fruit of goodness is rooted in, be, is rooted in being in and doing God's will. And I added another part of this because our first point today is not only in being and doing, but is also knowing. You can't, unless you know what it is, you can't be or do it. So what does it mean to know goodness? Goodness is the act of knowing, being, and doing. So the first one, goodness is knowing. In James, in the New Testament, have I lost you? I know it's a new year and we're all kind of like, Bleh. I mean, let's be honest. I'm kind of tired too. And the snow didn't help. You just want to crawl back under the covers this morning. At least I did. Goodness is knowing. What is it knowing? What, what, are we, what are we supposed to know about goodness? James chapter 4, verse 17, James writes this. It is a sin for the person who knows to do what is good and doesn't do it. Now, we are of the mindset that we, as if, when you become a Christian, there's a whole list of do not do's. Do not murder, do not steal, do not kill, do not commit adultery, do not dishonor your father and your mother, right? It's, there's a lot of do nots. But what James is telling us is it's just as bad to know the right thing to do and not do it. That's a tough one to chew on. Biblical scholar and author Bruce Barton writes, we tend to limit sins to specific acts doing wrong. But James tells us that sin is also not doing what's right. These two kinds of sin are sometimes called the sins of commission and the sins of omission. It is a sin to lie, but it can also be a sin to know the truth and not tell it. 
It is a sin to speak evil about somebody. But it's also a sin to avoid that person when you know he or she needs your friendship and your help. We should be willing to help others as the Holy Spirit guides us. Goodness is derived first from knowing God. You cannot know goodness apart from knowing God first. A part of our vision and mission as a church, the first part of becoming a completely committed follower of Christ is to know Christ intimately. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing of eternal worth. We can do good stuff. There are a lot of atheists out there that do immaculately, amazingly good deeds. They're great at giving and doing. You can do good without being good, but you cannot be good without also doing good. Goodness is derived from knowing God, and one cannot know God apart from a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. And with that comes new life and a new perspective. The new life that God gives us through Jesus is a result of our surrendered, selfish, and self-centered lives to him. Why would we want to hold on to selfish, self-centered lives? That doesn't sound like a good thing to hold on to. Am I correct? But I do it myself. I want what I want, how I want it, when I want it. And when I give in to my baser instincts and morals, I become immoral because I make it about me instead of about him. See, this is the greatest tool and tactic of the enemy who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy, and it's this. If he can get you focused on you constantly, then he's won the battle over your soul. The greatest way to not be good is to focus on yourself. The greatest way to truly be good is to keep your eyes fixed on Christ, the author and perfecter of your faith. Because apart from him, you can do nothing of eternal value and worth. And I know this sounds harsh, but it's not, if you just hear me out on this. It's more than good deeds. It's a part, good deeds is a part of it. But good deeds, if that's all you're doing, you're missing the mark. You cannot be good unless you know what good is. And if good is directly related to God and you don't know him, then you cannot be good without being grafted into him through his son, Jesus Christ. How many of us have known the right thing to do in a situation but have refrained from doing it? I know I have. I've admitted as much from this stage over these past 11 years as I can remember. How many of us have been convicted by the Holy Spirit to stop and talk to someone and yet passed on by? And we knew it. We like, oh God, give me a sign that you're there. And sometimes the sign is an individual who is crying in a corner. And it's not God saying, hey, go talk to that crying person. It's a, it's a nudge. When you catch and you see and you're like, ooh. Do, do you have that sense of feeling like, oh, I don't like that. I don't like that that person's crying. I wonder what's going on. Holy Spirit's calling you to attention and saying, hey, I want you to go over there. 
You might be rejected, you might be cursed out, you never know what you're going to get into when you walk across a room, but I guarantee you, you know what you're not going to get into with God if you don't. How many times have we known that we should help someone in need, but have convinced ourselves that someone else should do it? Oh, somebody else will come along. Oh, that's the government's job. This is Medicare, Medicaid, welfare. There's all these social programs. It's not my responsibility. Does that sound like Jesus? When we put Jesus in the place that he should be in our lives and in our churches, guess what happens when we see people in need? When we see people who truly are, are at this, I won't say the bottom of the barrel, but pretty darn close to it. When we have the mentality that it's somebody else's job, then we have abdicated our role and responsibility as the body of Christ to be the hands and feet of Christ. You've heard me say this often. I believe that the church in the American culture is in a full body cast. We're, have you ever seen, the, and maybe even the comedy shows or whatever, somebody's in a full body cast laying in a hospital bed and they can't move anything. Maybe their lips and their mouth, you know, their face, but that's it. Oftentimes I get the picture of the American church as being like that. But if we're truly the body of Christ, then we need to be freed from the cast. And in order to be freed from the cast, we have to see that it's our responsibility to go, to be, to do. Knowing the right thing to do and not doing it is the same as not doing the wrong thing. It's a sin. The second thing is goodness is being. What does it mean to be good? It's more than action. Jesus tells us in John chapter 15, I am the true grapevine, he says, and my father is the gardener. I want you to get this mental picture in your mind. Even if you're not a gardener, you're not great at plants and gardens and all that, there are certain processes that go into actually producing a crop from your garden. You have to know how to prune the right way, what kind of soil you need, how to water and fertilize necessarily to get something of benefit from what you're planting. So now imagine Jesus is saying, I'm the vine. Imagine a grapevine. It grows up a trellis and spreads out. And he says, my father now is a gardener. Do you have that picture? He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. Have you seen a vineyard? They are not growing wild. They are not the biggest vines on there. They are actually small, but they produce a lot. It's because the gardener knows where to prune, how to prune to get the best out of the plant, out of the vine. Jesus goes on to say, you have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Now he's talking to his disciples about what it means to be pruned. He says, I've given you the message of good news. I've showed you 
what the kingdom of God is like. And I, as the Messiah, have given you the truth because I am the truth. And you have been pruned by that. All the bad stuff that has been there to keep you from producing the fruit that my Father wants you to produce, the good news has helped to prune off of you. And then he goes on to say, remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Do you see what he's saying? If you are cut off from me, you're not going to produce anything. You're not going to do anything of substance and worth. Yeah, you can do good things in your own strength and your own power, but how about doing things that are of eternal significance in my strength and in my power? And the only way you could do that is being in me and I in you. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. It's not maybe they will, they will. If you truly remain in Christ and your life is completely surrendered and sold out to him, the byproduct of that is production. But the question is, if you are not producing, but you say you are in Christ, the question is, what, why are you not producing? And again, please hear me, it's not about what you do, it's about who you are and whose you are. That is the starting point. First, knowing good or knowing God intimately through his son Jesus Christ, and then being grafted into the vine as a branch. If you are not producing, but you are grafted, guess what happens? What does he say? He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. I don't know how much clearer Jesus can be. He's not skirting the issue. You have to be in me, he says. Nobody else. Don't be in yourself because if you are in yourself, you are ingrown. And what is something that is ingrown? Think of an ingrown toenail or an ingrown hair. What happens? It festers. I know that's disgusting to even think about, but let's be honest. Anything that is ingrown becomes infected and becomes diseased. But if I am outward focused, especially on the one who is life himself, the way, the truth, and the life, guess what's gonna happen to me? Just by default, if I am in him and he is in me and I'm focused on him as he is focused on me, guess what's gonna happen? There's gonna be a life transformation that I cannot stop unless I completely say, nope, I'm done. Ephesians 2, verses eight through 10. God saved you, Paul says, by his grace when you believed. And you cannot take credit for this. See, it's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. Do you hear that? Salvation is not a reward for, oh, that guy is such a, they did so much good. Here's the sticker with the ribbon and all that. You are good, and I'm giving you the sticker of salvation. 
That's not how this works. You don't get the trophy for just being good. It's not something you have earned. Why? Because you could never earn it. No one is good but the Father. So the Father had to step out of eternity and into time and be for us what we could never be. So that when he took up sin and death on the cross in the empty tomb and conquered both of those, we now have the opportunity, as the writer of Hebrews says, to step into the throne room of grace with confidence. Why is that? Not because of something I've done, but because of what he's done. He's granted me access into the most holy of spaces and into the most pure of relationships so that in him I can be perfect as he is perfect. And I can be holy as my heavenly father is holy, not because of me, but because of everything about him that he has done for me when I receive it with humility and not arrogantly, because you can never receive the gift of salvation with arrogance. It is thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. I receive what you've done and I believe in you. And I know I don't deserve this. And I never could, but you willingly let me step into the presence of God because of your sacrifice for me. That is the only way to be good, is to surrender your no good self into his good person, Christ Jesus. This has been a struggle for me. Can I be honest with you? Can I be just a transparent for just a moment? Um, I was a good kid by all intents and purposes. My mom could tell you, she'll probably watch this, and I never really got a spanking. <laughs> and I'm not bragging. <clears throat> I was so scared to death to do the wrong thing. Do you know I lived a life of bondage? and still do to some degree because I'm afraid of doing the wrong thing? How many of you feel that way? And do you know what, you know what happens when, when you feel like you're not good and you're not good enough? And you have to earn that goodness? Is you spiral. Yeah, how do you break that? It's still a journey for me. I, I don't know how to completely break it, if I'm being honest with you. See, I can preach you a message of what it means to be good, but I struggle with this point. Do you know why? Because I don't know how. And the reason is, I don't know how to be fully surrendered. I'm just being as transparent as I know how to be this morning. It has been a lifelong process for me. And it's always God's Holy Spirit saying, Brandon, what are you trying to do here? You know, you left me back there by trying to do all of these different things. I never said to do all those things. I want you to be grafted into me. You be in me and I in you, and out of that will flow the production that you need if you follow my lead. The gardener will prune you. My father will cut off 
what's not necessary for productive growth in you if you just, if you just let him. But I try to break off from the vine and plant myself in the ground right next to him and grow in my own strength. I do it all the time. Do you ever do that? And I think I can be good by doing the right things. And then Jesus says, no, 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 no. I know you love me. I know you care for me. Let me uproot you again. Shave off those roots that you're trying to grow on your own. I'm going to slit into the vine and graft you back in the way you should be. Because you can't be what I've not purposed for you to be apart from me. Now, I could preach this until I'm blue in the face, but it's still something I don't fully comprehend and understand, and I wish I did. And I know when I step from the threshold of this world into his holy presence, it'll all make sense. I just wish it would make more sense now. Being is the most important thing in your relationship to Christ. Now, it doesn't mean you shouldn't do. Please hear me on this, because goodness is doing. Goodness is doing. Philip Keller, it's an old book. I, I used quotes from his book for the sermon today, several of his quotes. It's, again, a gardener looks at the fruit of the Spirit. I think it's still in print. It's worth a read. But he writes, goodness is strongly tied to generosity. He writes, when God by his gracious spirit digs deep into the soil of my soul, he will implant there the new divine impulse to be truly generous and truly self-giving. Because when I am now grafted into the vine and I am being, my being is a part of his giving life to me, that new life to me, doing is naturally going to flow. Because what he has done is he's taking the old life out that focused only on me and put a new life in me through Christ Jesus, my Lord and Savior. And then the Holy Spirit takes residence in us to guide and direct us, to produce fruit in us, to give us gifts so that we can encourage, exhort, and build up the body of Christ. The selfless, self-sharing, he goes on to write, will entail more than just my money. All the church wants is my money. Yeah, you got a year-end appeal letter from your pastor, and I wonder how many people are like, oh, here we go. It's that time of year again, money, money, money. No, 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 that's not what it's about. Here, listen to this. Doing good is more than giving of your money. God will put his finger upon my time, my talents, my interests, my strength, my energies, and my capacities to enrich other people's life. He will ask me to set aside my own selfish self-interest in order to give to others. This is essentially what God did when he was here among us. There was never any desire for personal or private remuneration. 
His was all about self-sacrifice and giving. Jesus himself said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and what? Give my life as a ransom for many. He wasn't here to take from us, but to give to us that which we could not earn. All that he had and all that he was was poured out with an open-handed generosity to those whom he encountered. It was with enormous strength, dignity, and self-control that he moved amongst men and women, amongst crowds and mobs and multitudes. Yet, ever and always, he ministered to them, listen, he ministered to them, either singly or collectively, in goodness, graciousness, and generosity. He never turned down an offer to go to somebody's home, he was always where the people were. All that he had was theirs. All that he possessed was put into their disposal. In genuine goodness, he poured himself out for everyone. God's goodness expressed through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is a glowing reminder of the goodness that believers in Christ are to have toward others. Do you hear me? I have to first know what goodness is. In order to know goodness, I have to be grafted into the vine who is Christ so that I can truly be good as he is good. And in my being, the natural production is fruit, and the fruit of that being good is generosity. Of all that I am and all that I have to those around me, whether they deserve it or not, Ladies and gentlemen, let me ask you, church, what if this year of goodness we gave not, please don't hear me about money right now, but we gave of who we are and what we have to those around us, whether they deserved it or not. And I mean giving out of a true heart of goodness because we are grafted into the one who is truly good. What if we loved the way we have first been loved by God? What if we truly pour into people through the goodness God has poured into us when we didn't deserve it? What do you think would happen? Would, or at least it would change Butler. Look around this room, and those of you at home, I don't know how many of you are watching, but look around. Just with this small group of people doing good out of a sense of being grafted into the one who is good, what do you think would happen to Butler? What do you think would happen to Center Township, Butler Township? Or maybe wherever God has planted you that you've driven from to get here today. What about your neighborhood? What about your workplace? And again, please understand me here. Please don't misunderstand me. Don't just go do good things. Because even non-Christians do that. You do good out of an overabundance of the production of goodness in you through Christ Jesus, who is good completely. 
As our worship team comes forward, let me quote one more thing by Philip Keller. He asked this question. How often do we stand back in awe, overwhelmed, humbled, broken before God because of his goodness? How, when was the last time you said, Lord, you are so good? God, I'm just in awe of who you are. And you're like, Brandon, he's not good or I wouldn't have lost my job or I wouldn't have this chronic illness or I wouldn't have this, this temptation to continue with an addiction. If he was so good, why doesn't he take it away from me? Because he knows in the furnace and in the fires and the trials of life that you become purified sometimes through those processes. Gold doesn't become pure by being mixed with other metals. Gold only and silver only becomes pure as it goes through the smelting process to have the slag taken off the top as it's melted down. Purification and becoming what God has destined for you to be is sometimes a very painful process, but it is always for his good and for yours. How often do we deliberately, determinedly, and decisively beseech God to impart his goodness to us? God, you are good. Help me to be good. How many of us really long above everything else to be made good with the goodness of God? And listen to what he says. Listen to what Keller says. People pray for love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. When was the last time you had a heart-rending cry to God from the depths of your sin-shattered sh sin self that says, oh God, I just want to be good. Instead of saying, Lord, help me to love. Lord, give me patience. Lord, this, that. Lord, help me to be good as you are good. This new year, let us celebrate the fact that God desires to impart a heart and a life of goodness to us as we surrender our lives to him through Jesus Christ. God wants us to know him intimately, and he wants us to reflect the goodness of his character to the world. Are you going to do it perfectly? No. You're going to stumble. You're going to fall. You're going to, like me, graft yourself back into the ground and try to grow new roots so that you can do in your own strength those things that are good so that you can be accepted by others. But the only true one that we need to be accepted and loved and, please, uh, and to please is God himself through Christ Jesus. I don't care if anybody else in this world is pleased by me, even though that's a hard thing for me to say, as long as I please God above all else. And the only way to do that is to be grafted into his son, Jesus Christ, the true good person who helps me to be good as he is good. I pray that's your prayer this year. And I pray as you produce the fruit of goodness in your life as grafted into the vine who is Christ, that others will see the God of goodness in you and the God of love in you and be transformed or at least drawn closer into this place where Christ can change their lives for the better. Let's pray. 
Lord, you are good beyond anything we can conceive or imagine. And the goodness you bestow on us is more than we deserve. Heavenly Father, through the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to produce the fruit, which is goodness, in our lives. And I pray that fruit of goodness would transform and change the lives we come in contact with, not only this year, but in every year that you give us. Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Trim off those things in us that don't help to produce the fruit that you decide and choose for us to bear. Help us to be good as you were good. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Check back next week as we dig deeper and go further in our understanding of God's word. Make sure to visit us on our website, www.northmaincog.org, where you can learn more about us. If you found value in today's message, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would be helpful too. Donating to the ongoing ministry of North Main is easy. Just go to our website and click on the Give tab at the top of the screen. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week.